Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. You joined us for the episode for Sunday, August 8, 2021, entitled Matthew's Messiah, Performance Art Religion. This ought to be a great one today. We're glad you're with us. Let's go straight to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. And as you turn there, let me begin to set up the context for our message today. Performance art is something that's performed often, for example, out on a street to gain the attention of people who might not otherwise see it. You know, maybe so they uh, become aware of the artist or they go to an actual play or concert, something of that nature. But performance art is meant to be seen. The Greeks used mask in their role-playing, and that's where the word hypocrite comes from. It means a mask wearer. And when the Greek actors wore that mask, it helped the audience understand the role the actor was playing. Over time, it became to mean playing a part, and that was... uh, neither good nor bad, and eventually, though, it became kind of a bad connotation that somebody was play-acting. In other words, they were pretending to be something that they were not, actually. Shakespeare wrote, All the world's a stage, and all the men and women merely players. They have their exits and their entrances, and one man in his time plays many parts. That was from his play, As You Like It. Even today, trending now, religious drama queens and kings are often involved in playing a part that is not really who they are. Now, in Matthew's Messiah, Jesus Christ says, we should actually be godly people, not seem to be godly. Big difference. Let's go right to Matthew 6, 1 through 34. I call this first section in verses 1 through 4, performance art giving. It's where somebody does something, either giving to their church or some charitable contribution or deed, and basically it's look at me versus I love you, Lord, and this is what I'm doing to show it. And they're saying, look at me so they can steal the glory that rightly belongs only to God, hoping that people will praise them instead of God. Now you're asking right now, do people really do that? Yes, and people do that today. Let's see what the Messiah King, Jesus Christ, says about this. Verse 1. Take heed that you do not your alms before men. Now alms is can be giving uh, something that's charitable, some good deed. Take heed that ye do not your alms before men to be seen of them. Otherwise, ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound a trumpet before thee as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. 
<laughs> they do these things so that people will say, what a guy, man, if I could only grow up to be as great as he is and as godly as he is. Now, Jesus says, hey, people who are doing it to be seen by men are not doing it for the right reason. They're play acting. Verse three, but when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth. In other words, it should be very low key. Verse four, that thine alms may be in secret and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. So that's performance art giving. Don't do it. What about performance art praying? I call these Dr. Pepper prayers. Now, why do I say that? The old Dr. Pepper bottles had on the label uh, that people were to drink it at 10, 2, and 4. <laughs> well, you'll see how this plays out shortly. Now, I'm going to give you some good advice. Don't pray publicly if you're not already sincerely praying privately. You'll only get in trouble. Verse 5. And when thou prayest, thou shalt not be as the hypocrites are. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and in the corners of the streets that they may be seen of men. Now, somebody guessed uh, in what I was reading at one point that maybe they were even good enough that they could figure out if they walked a certain pace they could arrive at that street corner at nine in the morning, 12 noon, and three in the afternoon, which were the times of prayer among the Jewish people. And lo and behold, they'd be on the street corner, but they had to pray because it was uh, 12 noon or 3 p.m. or nine in the morning. And they had to pray right there. And boy, people would just see it and think, what a great guy. <laughs> Jesus says, verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But thou, when thou prayest, enter into thy closet. And when thou hast shut thy door, pray to thy father, which is in secret. And thy father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. I've actually done this um, as an individual and as a pastor, going into closets, close the door, turn out the light, and you know, you're just no distractions, and you could just pray. Try that, it works. But you know, if you're doing it as performance art praying, you wouldn't like that because nobody will see you. You get it now? Also in prayer, don't babble. Now, it drives me nuts when people pray using the name of God over and over. Uh, like, Lord Jesus, thank you that you hear us now, God. And Lord, we ask you to do this. And God, may I pray for on and on. You know, if you walked up to me in a, conversation said, Ed, it's so good to see you today, Ed. And Ed, may I say that blah, 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 blah. I would think that is totally weird. Don't do that. Don't babble. Heathens and people who do not really know God think it's the amount of words and the length of prayer. And even the Jewish people in the time of Christ, the earthly ministry of Christ, even they thought the longer you prayed, the better. So you can imagine how many Religious professionals were involved doing that. Verses 7 and 8. But when ye pray, use not vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they shall be heard for their much speaking. 
Be not ye therefore like unto them, for your Father knoweth what things ye have need of before ye ask him. Now the law of first mention is very important in the Bible. And we're going to have one of those right here. What we're about to read, this had never been done before in recorded human history. No one ever prayed and addressed God as our Father. Verse 9, After this manner therefore pray ye, Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus does a revolutionary thing here in addressing God the Father as our Father. Not only his Father as the Son, but all of those who were his followers were included, were all part, when we trust Christ, of God's family. And that is a wonderful thing there. And we could see here that we're to um, want his name to be glorified and his kingdom to come, his will to be done here, just like it is already in heaven. We are to pray about our daily needs, like our daily bread. We are to pray for our forgiveness of sin when, when we get out of line. And also we are to forgive those who sin against us. We are to pray to not be led into temptation, but also to be delivered from evil. And that is a great model prayer if you're a brand new Christian. <clears throat> it's okay to pray this prayer from the heart, <clears throat> but it is more of a, a way to pray, how to pray. But it, it is a good starting place if you need that. Now, another thing about prayer is forgiven people are forgiving people. If you are forgiven by God, you will forgive others. Verse 14, For if ye forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, I'm not going to explain that. I'm just going to leave it just like the Lord said it. And if you are holding a grudge against someone who sinned against you, I hope this keeps you awake tonight until you get it right with you and the Lord, and if possible, you and that other person. Verse 16, it introduces the next section, and that is performance art fasting. Now, in the Bible, the Jewish people, and not the world at large, but the Jewish people were commanded to fast on the great day of atonement as part of their mourning for sin. Over the time of, of the Jewish people, other times of fasting were introduced by the Jewish people for the right reasons, done the right way. But by the time of the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ, it had been corrupted to the point that it was now an art form, a performance art form, performance art fasting. It was done for effect. And I wonder sometimes that some of the people who appeared to be fasting, they weren't even fasting at all. I hope if you've never fasted ever in your life as a Christian, 
you will do that at some point. Now, this is what the Lord says. Moreover, when ye fast, be not as the hypocrites of a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear unto men to fast. Verily, I say unto you, they have their reward. How would you know a Pharisee was fasting? Well, they fasted not just once a year, but once a week. Actually, it wasn't even once a week. They did it twice a week on Monday and Thursday. And just in case you might miss it, um, they did not uh, uh, wash their face. They did not probably comb their hair so that people would see them and say, man, what a guy. Look at that guy fasting. If I could only be like him. And Jesus says, don't, don't do that. <laughs> Verse 18, that thou appear not unto men to fast. Well, we'll go back to 17. But thou, when thou fastest, anoint thine head and wash thy face, that thou appear not unto men to fast, but unto thy Father, which is in secret, and thy Father, which seeth in secret, shall reward thee openly. Now, instead of performance art giving, performance art praying and performance art fasting. How about just real, authentic Christianity? Now, to tie this in here, I hope this will help you understand this section even better. You remember Huey, Dewey, and Louie, the nephews, I believe, of Donald Duck. They had, I think it was their grandfather, I can't remember, but Huey, Dewey, and Louie had a relative known as Scrooge McDuck. Remember him? Don't be him. He worshiped gold, worshiped money, and we are not to be like that. Verse 19, lay not up for yourselves treasures upon earth where moth and rust doth corrupt and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thine eye be evil, the whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness? No man can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. Ye cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is money, material things. Like, you remember Madonna? I'm a material girl in a material world. That's that, all right? Now, he didn't say it's hard. He said it's impossible. You cannot serve both God and material things. So here's his direction for us. Therefore, I say unto you, take no thought for your life, what ye shall eat or what ye shall drink, nor yet for your body what ye shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? You know, well, of course it is. And that having an evil eye, mentioned in verse 23, the Jewish people <coughs> believe that that, described a miserly person like Scrooge McDuck. Jesus says in verse 26, Behold the fowls of the air. Uh, on the mountainside, he's teaching, and these 
beautiful creatures that he had made were flying all around. And so he says, look at them. Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns. Yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? Well, of course we are, right? Isn't that encouraging? Verse 27. Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? Now, in the Greek, this may mean uh, make yourself one cubit taller or increase the length of your life. And it doesn't matter which, we can't do either. No matter how much we take thought, and that idea of taking thought is worrying. Not like prudent planning and doing what we should do, but just worrying. That doesn't help us at all. Verse 28, And why take ye thought, again the idea of worry, and why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. So all around them on the mountainside were these beautiful flowers created by Jesus. Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Verse 30, Wherefore, if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? And the answer is, well, well, of course he will. Verse 31, Therefore, take no thought. Again, that idea of anxious worrying. Therefore, take no thought, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or wherewithal shall we be clothed? For after all these things do the Gentiles seek, that is the the heathen, the pagan, the non-Jews. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Make the kingdom of God priority one in your life every day. Verse 34, there, take therefore no thought, that is that anxious worrying. There, take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. One day at a time is the way we should live, trusting God. Now, the Sermon on the Mount is like the Ten Commandments. And the Sermon on the Mount is given to do two things. Number one, to instruct, but also to convict. Maybe today, as a Christian, you've been instructed and convicted that you've gotten off the path. Repent and get back on the path. Maybe as a non-Christian, you were convicted that you are hopelessly lost. Listen, Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. Romans 6.23, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 10.8-13 says, but what saith it? The word is nigh thee, even in thy mouth and in thy heart, that is, the word of faith which we preach, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. 
For with the heart man believeth unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For there is no difference between the Jew and the Greek. For the same Lord over all is rich unto all that call upon him. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Listen, if you need help with that, call 877-247-2426 or go to chataboutjesus.com. I want to thank you for listening today to This Week in the Word at dredhill.podbean.com. I want you to share right from where you're listening with someone who needs to hear this message. And I thank you for listening today. I look forward to teaching with you again. If the Lord doesn't come first, next week. Thank you so much. God bless you. And pray about what you have heard today. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen.